Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. What is up, y'all? It's Tuesday, July 7th. On this day in 1958, U.S. President Eisenhower signed the Alaska Statehood Act into law, making Alaska the 49th state. Thus began the jokes about cutting Alaska in half would make Texas the third largest state. Second fun fact before we get started here, it's uh, it's also World Chocolate Day. So go get into some arguments about what real chocolate is. Delicious. Wait, Tyler, how you doing, buddy? I didn't know I know to argue about chocolate. Like I don't argue about it. Chocolate. Is that anything (laughs) with cocoa in it? I guess white chocolate. Yeah, I could see some people getting fiery about that. Never mind. We probably shouldn't touch that. I'm doing good. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) What's been? uh, It's been a long weekend. You you you, uh, have fun. Good fourth. I had had a very good weekend. Uh, My family took it really easy. We ended up doing something we call muffin dates with our kids, and that was actually my daughter's idea. Which uh, in our special little COVID-19 times means just dedicating attention to one of the kids at any given time. And so they put a list of things that they wanted to do with mommy and daddy together in the morning. And then we just cycled through all of them in half hour to one hour chunks, uh, playing chess and card games and eating ice cream and all that kind of fun stuff, just checking all their boxes. So it was, it was tons of fun. That's awesome, dude. That is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that we got through the uh, the fun facts and what Tyler was doing, um, just a quick update on my mic situation. I'm out in the middle of the woods for the next uh, three weeks or so, and I forgot to bring my beautiful podcast mic. So you'll either have to uh, just deal with it or come back in three weeks uh, when I sound <laughs> a little bit better. That's right. All right. Let's get into the news. Uh, this one blew my mind. PUBG Mobile passes $3 billion in revenue from microtransactions. So this is a video game, yes, on your phone. Billion. $3 billion. That that reminds uh, me of like, oh man, I'm going to forget all of the fun facts about it. But what was the company that created like Battle Royale and the, the little, like you build your city with the walls and the yeah. dragons and all that crap? You know what I'm talking about? Wait, with dragons? Yeah, dragons. They came later. You and I played it together for a little while, but it was. You talking uh, about Fortnite? Or what are you talking no, about? No, 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 no. Before that, so it's mobile only, and you built up your castle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the name of that game? Wow, Battle Royale was Clans. the second one that they Cla- came. Clash of Clans. Clash of Clans. Yes. Okay, so that game, when I first got introduced to it, I'm sure it was tons of fun, right? And and it was just one of those like you you pay if you want to speed things up, and inevitably, and I think most people ended up doing it, but. I remember being absolutely blown away by how much money they were making. Because I, I played the game for like a year, and I don't think I spent a dollar on it. Um, and so we, we know somebody who spent a thousand dollars on. It. I know, I know, I know. But like, <laughs> like, so I'm thinking, sitting there thinking, okay, most people aren't spending money on this. But no, no. Like at the end of that year, we find out that they're they're rolling in like 241 million dollars of like monthly income or something insane amount of money and i'm like what so i i guess that doesn't surprise me but then it also totally surprises me billions billions in microtransactions and i mean, correct me if i'm wrong it's fortnite they're basically just buying like underwear right with prints on it and <laughs> <What>? stuff <laughs> swear wasn't that one half of fortnite's no transactions outfits for the people or something sorry i, I wish russ was here but not underwear me in my place <laughs> 
Maybe, but not underwear. But here's, Fine, nineties. Yeah, so PUBG Mobile. I don't know how long they've been out, but they are having an amazing start to the year. They brought in an estimated 1.3 billion so far this year alone. Jeez. Right, and then March was the highest month on record, naturally, because that was kind of the the height of uh, the start of um, quarantine and all that kind of stuff. But record 270 million dollars in the month of March, just in those microtransactions. That's, That's uh I, you know, and I, I hate microtransactions. I hate everything about that as like a gaming thing. I think it's awful in basically every way, but take off your gamer and dad of kids hat and look at that from a corporate perspective. And it's like, dear God, that's a lot of money. They're, they're killing it from an income perspective. It's just sad what it means for the game. Yeah. Well, you reload it with uh, birthday money and then they just kind of spend it at will or whatever. But uh, for those of y'all that don't know, I, oh, I actually man. tweeted this and I got a I got a response back asking exactly what microtransactions are. Uh, it's just in-app purchases, right? So kind of what Tyler was talking about, whether you're buying like, uh, you know, skins for a weapon or, you know, clothing or like dance styles, you know, kind of celebration things or whatever. It's just... <laughs> Little stuff like that, yeah. All right, let's move uh, on. That's it, not. It's just not helping. And, and I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see. I do follow that a little bit. Um, not Fortnite specifically, but what's happening with uh, the microtransactions in gaming in general? Because there have been quite a few co- court cases, um, usually government verse sort of cases, that are saying that a lot of microtransactions, not all of them. It sounds like. Fortnite in in the way you described it might not be in this bucket, but is considered gambling because I know the way a lot of them do it is to kind of get that birthday money spent on a treasure chest that could contain certain items as opposed to going to a store or spending money through some kind of online medium with another person to purchase something of value, right? They're gambling the real dollars on something that may or may not contain this thing that could be valuable. And yeah, so the loot boxes. Yeah, they're being um, kind of forced. At least that I can get behind a little bit, right? The, the, the gambling just should not be something that a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old should ever be close to. I, I'm still aghast at the idea of paying real dollars and cents for a dance move in a video game. But maybe that's just me telling kids to get off my lawn. I don't know. <laughs> well, man, I'll tell you. So when you're describing that, it made me think of when I was growing up in the grocery store, not growing up in a grocery store, but when I was growing up, you go to the grocery store and they had these packs of baseball cards, yeah. you know, or yeah. football cards or whatever, right? And then it was, and it was Pokemon like, and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic yeah, sure, the Gathering. They're all the same. Yeah. It's just get the gold pack because you might get the... Doodad, super rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's worth five thousand dollars if you didn't open the package. Wait a yeah. second. <laughs> this yeah, which reminds me, I have stacks and stacks and stacks of uh, like baseball cards, football cards, and all that that's kind of awesome. stuff from when I was like ten. And I was like, I bet they're they're man. all like a billion printed Duracell branded cards or something. <laughs> because maybe, by the time maybe. we started collecting cards when we were kids, the likelihood of them being valuable was actually, I think, pretty bad unless you were uh, getting them from certain sources. I could be totally wrong here. I am far from a collector. But yeah, I don't know. That, that reminds me of all kinds of rabbit holes that I, I'll chase down. Uh, my, my brother actually has a, a buddy of his in his neighborhood 
who, uh, as a second source of income, will go to secondhand bookstores and flick through their comics. And he's been doing it long enough now that he knows which ones are just outright worth tons of money. So he he has a decent cash flow going by just showing up at a half price books or going to garage sales, flicking through it, buying like a whole stack for $10 and then selling individual comics for sometimes hundreds, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's amazing what what values there. But again, not a video game, not ephemeral, <laughs> not a skin on a gun or a dance move for something kids aren't going to play in ten years. Like at least you still have your baseball cards, and on the yeah, yeah, off yeah. chance that you actually got something that's extremely rare, whether by intent or accident, you could go and and turn it into a collectibles worth of money. Right? You can't. Yeah. You can never resell the skin on Fortnite when people stop playing it. <laughs> That's true. And if any of y'all are interested in uh, figuring out the, um, the the market value of like baseball cards and Pokemon cards and all that kind of stuff, uh, Gary V is big in that right now. If you don't know who Gary V is, go look him up. Uh, G-A-R-Y-V-E-E on, uh, on most so- social media platforms. So and he's talking about that a lot right now. That's cool. All right, let's uh, move as, on. As man. fun as some of that is, I like literally microtransactions apparently make me physically angry because I <laughs> like feel my. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's, yeah, yeah. Okay, so but slight slight shift. Um, I saw an article that said Prime Video is finally offering profiles and parental controls in its interface, uh, which I just thought it was great because the the headline basically just said something its competition has done since the beginning of time. Uh, basically, <laughs> right. Netflix there, but. I will I will totally say that this is one perfect timing for me um, personally and and two just actually kind of absurd that it's taking them as long as it has to to make this happen and I say it's perfect timing because um, we've been doing road trips lately and my youngest just turned four so uh, what I decided to do for infotainment in the uh, in the car was get them um, you know cheap tablets. And those cheap tablets are basically just loaded with content, not online content, um, while while we're on the road because I don't trust my four to seven year olds with an internet connection. Sure, um, un- unfettered, anyways. And uh, but but they basically they can download shows that we approve of with Netflix and Amazon Video and um, you know anything that we may have on like a Flex server stuff like that. But um, Netflix is so, so much easier to deal with because I can send them into Netflix. They can go into the kid application only and they can, not that you can't find just a world of garbage on Netflix. There's bad content out there for any age group, but at least they're not going to download like Black Mirror by accident and and technology for the rest of their lives. Whereas Amazon Video, my kids are amazing about this. And they'll just say, hey, this looks neat. Can I download it? And I'll look at it and they're like, no, that looks terrible. I'm pretty sure that's a pink dragon with Oxycontin that it's selling to kids. Like that <laughs> looks like it's good for you. It's not. Right? <laughs> like, so I like my kids are good about coming to us and asking us about those things. But I can only imagine kids, especially that are just a little bit older and are sneaky about stuff like that. Not having parental controls is just sad. Yeah. Okay, so well, let's get into uh, let's get a, get into more internet access things. Um, in Kenya today, July seventh, Alphabet launched their balloon internet uh, program that they've been working on for a while. Loon balloons, this, this the, yeah, loon balloons. So this is the first one where it's uh, it's up in the air, planned for the long so haul. Cool. 
Yeah. So previously there's been some, uh, like a hurricane in Puerto Rico. It's been a few other natural disasters where they've gone and deployed them for, you know, maybe a month, month and a half or something like that. But that's actually, these really are going to cool. go I up for, that. yeah, these are going to go up for the long term. And, uh, don't be confused by any of the photos you see online. Most of the news articles, the main one that's circulating right now is New York times. And it's actually a photo of one like barely off the ground in the middle of Nevada. <laughs> That's not Kenya for one. <laughs> these, really? <laughs> number two, these balloons are twelve miles in the air. Yeah, so, so they're they're not accidentally going to have an airplane run into them. That's a good thing. So that's yes, baseline yeah, exactly. planning. That's actually really cool. What and and I read a little bit about that too. It's a thirty-five balloon fleet, right? And it's going to cover right. um cover an area of fifty thousand square kilometers. Thirty-one thousand square miles. Yeah. There you go. I I knew you were going to have the the translation there but that's uh that's fascinating to me and i remember we talked about this a little while back because of course they've been doing this testing for a while but i think one of my favorite parts about the loon balloons is that it was one of the moonshot projects that seemed so neat like 10 years ago and um actually came to life and is is servicing a, an underserviced community from an internet perspective as well as you know obviously they've overcome some of these technical hurdles which is just awesome i think yeah, and if you're wondering what they're made of, uh, they're made of sheets of polyethylene, and the sheets are the size of a tennis court. Holy cow! They, uh, so they're tiny, tiny balloons. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, though. You gotta up. have you gotta have a big old balloon to get it up 12 miles in the in the air, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's All crazy. right. That's cool. How yeah. Cool that? If you want to go dig into that a little bit, there's just some interesting conversation going on. Um, Kenya is very uh, forward leaning when it comes to adopting new technology, just cool. as, a, as a government policy goes. Um, and because of that, there have been some people criticizing it because they're saying, you know, well, they're already kind of going down the path of solving these things a couple of different ways from a technology mm-hmm. perspective. And we could leverage this elsewhere in uh, in more maybe more remote areas. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I think like any other corporate venture, right, you have to have the right support to whet the appetite. So people can criticize all they want, but if you don't have the backing and the regulation, some of the allowances, I mean, hopefully this isn't corruption that got it done. But if if Kenya's government is willing to lean into the project, then what better place to start? Right. So... I, yeah. I, and I have not seen a lot of the arguments for or against it. So I'm, I'm kind of coming in uneducated there, but shocker, I have an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm curious <laughs> what you think about this next one, but uh, the headlines going around are uh, saying TikTok is pulling out of Hong Kong. I saw so, that. But you got to dig, you got to dig a little bit to kind of see really what's going on. Cause this really isn't about TikTok. No. I think just isn't putting TikTok about- in the title. Yeah, isn't that, well, that's isn't it about the new it. regulations that Hong Kong has, or, or I say yes. the Chinese government? So there, there are penalties for applications and content providers, or I guess, or anyone that's social media not providing information about people to the police in a certain amount of time. Is that is that the gist of it? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. that's correct. Um, so there's a law. Um, it's a security law uh, from Beijing that's being forced upon upon Hong Kong. That's kind of hard to say. Uh, <laughs> and it basically it just it, it's super vague, which is concerning, mm-hmm. and it makes it illegal for anyone in the world to promote democratic reform for Hong Kong. Um, <laughs> and they can classify it as terrorism, 
They can classify it as just uh, general dissent. And then yeah. the penalties can range, you know, with significant fines up to life in prison. So if anyone and, is curious about why free and open internet and and why governmental overreach for global legal precedent isn't scary, there you have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so there's so what you're seeing initially is um, people or, or people, but but tech companies pulling their apps from the market in Hong Kong, right? Because they don't there's a ton of liability, liable. right? Yes. Yeah. They don't want to be held liable for it. But uh, and they, you know, they don't quite know what to do or how to respond. So they just back out. Sure. Now, the the more um, the, the the bigger thing that I'm looking at right now is that Google and Facebook both have uh, both have um, facilities there. Right. Mm. So what does that look like for them? Right. So yeah, if, I, I don't uh, I don't know where a law like that. I don't know how you follow that to the letter. And then, you know, we've talked about this before, should especially U.S. based companies, um, you know, from our perspective, but even in general, should companies be pushing back on something that is arguably something that the global user base may feel is an ethical or moral issue as opposed to just a business issue because i think this one totally hits that on the nose right is yeah. is google right to follow the letter of the law as imposed by beijing in hong kong or are they more right to be flippant in that regard and to what extent is that going to cause them damage how do you protect the people in hong kong that are part of that like, this is it is not a simple issue yeah yeah it's it's a little bit crazy right so if uh if you've ever made a comment online on a social media platform uh in a negative manner uh towards um towards their government then that it, it becomes a real risk to even travel there is, is what this looks yeah. like with these with these quote national security laws you know that, that they're free speech online up- or you should never go there it brings up a, a actually a closer to home for our U.S. listeners issue, which was something that came up. I don't think I put this in the show notes, but I, I saw, um, I think it was a Digital Trends article that kind of got into the dangers or issues associated with revoking Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which is something that has been threatened um, politically recently. And and the that Section 230 basically says that publishers of content in this case, social media platforms, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, et cetera, are not responsible for the content that people publish through their platform. So it, sure. it very much is sort of like the fundamental freedom of, of the well, internet even still, to protect them as, as a platform creator, not a content creator. Yeah. Well, and I don't think that's even the, the thing here. I don't think they're trying to hold the company responsible for the content created. They're trying to say, if... If the Chinese government catches this being said, then the law states that the app owner has to provide additional details about that person. Like no, right, right. It's like warrant type concept, searches. Right? It, their yeah, their yeah, goal it is, is very similar, to stop yeah. it. It's to root out the source, which is maybe yeah. even scarier if you look at it that way. I'm saying that they, they have tangents, which are – it's kind of unsettling that we're even having a conversation about Beijing control over – Hong Kong law and something that was floated in U.S. politics recently, because it's the parallels aren't pretty. Put it that way. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, let's move on from there. Uh, but if any of y'all have any thoughts on on that, uh, hit us up on uh, Twitter. I'd love to love to hear what y'all think. So yeah, it'd actually be really interesting to talk to somebody who's an expert about that uh, when it comes to international law or local law in Hong Kong and what that looks like. If you're if you're knowledgeable or, or interested in having that conversation, and I would love to be educated on that and any other topics that you happen to know about. So yeah, absolutely. Oh man, um, I, I got another follow up. Uh, yeah, hit me. I, <laughs> we talked about this a little while ago. The toxic hand sanitizers. We sort of brought it up because the FDA was warning against it, and uh, I pointed out that anyone who is producing through a still alcohol, which you could put into you know spirits or or other um, consumables, right, knows that the heads and tails of that are dangerous. The methanol production as opposed to ethanol production, ethanol being what goes into vodka, for instance, and uh, methanol being, well, poison, right? Um, There's no way you own and operate a distillery and don't know that methanol is dangerous to people. If it's ingested, very obviously damaging, but it's also well known that it absorbs through the skin. Well, turns out there are more uh, producers of hand sanitizer that were using methanol, not ethanol. And the reason I bring up the first part is I, I feel like there's almost no way that those producers didn't intentionally and knowingly take what usually is uh, a garbage, a waste product in the production of ethanol and turn it into hand t- sanitizer to put it into a market that needed more hand sanitizer, which is just absolutely reckless. But People are actually dying from it, which is a little mind-blowing because the people that are dying from it and going blind from it, also something very common with methanol uh, consumption anyways, is that you you usually have to consume it. It's bad if it goes through your skin because it gets uh, metabolized into acids that are damaging to you know, organs and throughout the body, in particular, the optic nerve. But if you ingest it, then it can very quickly destroy your eyes and kill you. And so adults and children are dying from ingesting hand sanitizer and I'm just mind blown. Yeah. Oh, not good. Yeah. So well, read, read those notes, watch your hand sanitizers, look at the ingredients, go look that up. The FDA site actually lists them out. And I think there are only nine or 10 now, but still don't yeah. drink any hand sanitizer you've got and pay more attention. I don't know. I don't feel like that's a warning you should have to throw out there, but there you have it. <laughs> Well, in a uh, in a bit of feel good news, uh, there's an online propaganda campaign that was discovered using AI generated headshots to create fake journalists. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so and, well, and horrifying. Really, yes, because <laughs> I don't know how feel good that is. Feel good well, that it got was, caught. Feel bad yes. that it exists. <laughs> yes, both both of those, right? Because there's been a crackdown on, uh, and, and you've seen this across like. Uh, advertisements on social media platforms um, yeah. being getting Jeez. hammered for not exposing what they represent or who makes them. Mm-hmm. Same goes for articles getting published and all that kind of stuff. Well, they're now finding people are generating um, fake headshots and fake names uh, to create fake journalists to share fake news. <laughs> that is <laughs> it's, insane. It's crazy. The layers. What, yeah, that's yeah. that. It, it's not even a little bit surprising. Um, I, especially because I think people have a penchant to like confirmation bias is just so prevalent 
So right. as soon as you see a headline, you have to read the article. As soon as you see a headline, if you think it comes from a person and that person has credentials, you start making all of these logical mistakes that say, I read online that a journalist said that this thing I agreed with already. And that's it. You don't do any more investigations. So one fake person that you don't know because they don't exist posted one fake article that you didn't even read. And you use that as basically the reason that you maintain a belief. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. How that well, what's works. crazy, man, these faces that they're showing that are supposedly AI generated. Now, is this entire article fake? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what can you believe anymore? But these yeah. faces, you know, assuming this is, this is real news, right? Um, look, I mean, they look, real they there's nothing yeah, no, that you I can tell it. that don't yeah they they almost look too real you know they're, they're like sure. perfect perfectly created well, or, or taken you know headshots. it's funny you say that because another article i read which which is cool and i think is feel good um except that i feel like you ruined it <laughs> not <laughs> they ruined it is that uh companies are quote-unquote dropping the camera to produce uh, stuff like training and so they're utilizing technologies that produce these very like I don't know, almost too shiny sort of marketing models of human beings that they can then use deep fake technology to cater training to individuals. So you type in their name and you have training that looks human and lifelike coming from an AI generated model in your local uh, dialect even. Yeah, language and, and dialect, and yeah. All through AI generated humans that don't exist again, and using deepfake to make all of their motions seem human and appropriate. So, so there, there's that's. I mean, that's really cool to me. One that you can, they, they're doing that now, and that companies are actually leaning into it more now. I think for obvious reasons with the, you know, the work from home sort of stuff. But it doesn't yeah. surprise me whatsoever that that people are using the same technology for nefarious stuff. Because yeah. For a long time, you could probably think, well, at least if it's in a video, I can trust that it's real. And you absolutely cannot anymore. That fake journalist who's taking a picture live in that video from some other fake journalist could just as easily have been built. And if you don't have the, the technology or know-how to suss out what has been deepfaked, then good luck to you. Yeah. Well, that reminds me too. Um, there was so David Beckham um, had a video uh, speaking out about, or not, I mean, just drawing attention to uh, malaria and the uh, preventable deaths there and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the the science behind this was this AI visual synthesis where they brought in uh, people speaking nine different languages and wow. videoed them, and they could take the exact like movements of their mouth, tongue, throat you know, every, everything That's that incredible. just kind of creates the word. And they just did this visual synthesis to David Beckham and this commercial, he looks like he is perfectly speaking these nine different languages. Uh, it, it's incredible. So. Yeah, it really is. Anyway. And, and I mean, mad props to everybody that's worked on that technology because it really is fascinating, but it's it's scary to think about where it could go. And it's even more scary to realize that we're already there. The, yeah. the fact that those campaigns, but I also once in a while, um, and I forget, it's one of the AI or deepfake subreddits uh, um, in, in Reddit, but they'll get into, 
there, there are just as many researchers working on technology to really easily identify where images have been modified or videos have been modified or technologies like deepfake have been used. So it can not only can it say, hey, this has been modified, but it can also in a lot of cases back out some of those modifications, even without uh, access to the source, which is, again, super fascinating. Um, but it's it's good to know that assuming you can and bother to regulate and make sure that truth is something that is that, that platforms do have some kind of responsibility for, you may be able to automate the ability to say this this profile picture has been you know heavily modified or this this content is literally a deep fake of something that doesn't exist, and you could do so with an algorithm as opposed to you know hundreds of man hours, right? Sure. Yeah, interesting. All right, what else we got? Uh, let's see here. Uber to buy Postmates for two point six five billion all stock transaction. Wow. So, okay, so tell me Postmates. Tell me about them. I feel like I should know yeah, what that is, Postmates, but I don't. Yeah, yeah. It's it's complimentary to their Uber Eats type of thing, right? It's just okay. it's delivery. It's delivery. All right, right? all right. So it's yeah, uh, so it's like a courier yeah. service, just modern. Right. Yeah, it'll okay. beef up their food delivery, and maybe I guess okay. it gets into more than just food delivery. That that makes sense. That's that's yeah. that's pretty cool. Also interesting to see Uber making acquisitions right now. Then again, all all stock. I guess that makes sense. I'm kind of curious what that means for what Postmates was looking for in the first place. Uh, you got to assume at two point six billion that they were looking to be acquired, but I don't know. Yeah. That's an interesting yeah. transaction. Yeah. They uh, they mainly so Postmates mainly focuses on uh, food, uh, groceries, stuff like that. But it, okay. from what I understand, they'll pretty much pick up anything for you. So I like it. Like if, if very you, cool. If you need some uh, some new electronics or whatever, you can have it delivered. Or you know, need some medicine, you can't get out of bed, they'll deliver it. So there you go. That's easy. Yeah, I like it. I, I don't know how uh, bullish I am on that though. Um, no, it's a lot to pay for. It is. Uh, I mean, it seems like a lot. I don't know enough about Postmates to say whether or not they got a good deal there. Um, yeah. Maybe on Friday, uh, John will tell us what his thoughts are. He'll give us the hot there you take. Go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else um, you got in the news? Man, I think that's about it for news, but I will drop this on everybody. Um, I have had the extreme displeasure, I will say, of investigating home refinance rates lately. The, uh, the, the Fed, of course, struck the prime rate to zero uh, quite a while back, actually. This is in the U.S. Apologies to other listeners. But um, the mortgage rates tend to chase that a bit. Um, they will almost certainly never go to zero, but they are historically low right now. So if you've got a mortgage to potentially refinance, I do suggest looking into that. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, that closes it out, man. Shut it down. Sweet. What a fun note to end on. Straight up percentages. Boy. Oh, do you want to do you want to uh do you want to comment on the new H266 codec? Oh, half yeah, the, I forgot about that one. Stream 4K video. That's yeah. crazy. Okay, yeah. So so we both found that one from different sources, but the um so I I followed codecs for a long time back in the uh the early days of Napster and stuff like that. People were always looking for ways to increase uh, the quality of content that was made available on the internet. Um, anyways, this uh, new video codec, uh, which is what, H266 is also the mm-hmm. variable video, what was the, C codec, I think, VVC. 
um, is the successor to the 264 and 265 codecs, which have been around for a long time and have allowed for some heavily compressed, um, highly streamable, but high quality um, video streams. And uh, they're, they're really light in the compute as well. So it, it's actually, those are the kind of codecs. Codecs are fundamentally what allowed a lot of people to start using smaller and smaller devices like Apple TVs and whatnot to um, stream 1080p and 4K video content. So it's kind of always the same. It's how do I reduce bandwidth to send more over the, the wire? And then how do I also reduce the compute on the, on the front side to, to actually you know, compress it? Um, so it's it's actually kind of neat to keep up with it, but uh, it it looks pretty awesome. What's their their claim is what half of the bandwidth necessary for 4K streaming? Yeah, exactly. So what they're saying now is this could make 8K realistic, right? Because we are doing yeah. 4K streaming today, and if we can cut that in half, and that gives us a real quick jump to 8K. Just what I need: uh, a a content library that is four generations ahead of my television. <laughs> now I you need a new television i said television so that should tell you something <laughs> that's right <laughs> and right. on that note shut it down shut it down <laughs> i will be closing out another episode of the tech breakfast podcast thanks for joining us everybody i hope you enjoyed it as much as we did as always if you've got content we missed general feedback or you'd like to join us on the show let us know thanks for listening thanks for subscribing and we will talk to you tomorrow peace